Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's good, everybody? Welcome back. This is the Coast to Coast Podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I am Joey Powell. As always, the show is brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Welcome in. It's good to see you. This is the first of getting back to our regular weekly episodes of the Coast to Coast podcast here on Inside Carolina. I'm Joey Powell. With me as always, Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran. Sean, how is the left coast, sir? Uh, last time it was sunny and, and happy, and now it's a rainy, dreary uh, type of day and mood, I think, Man. across uh, <laughs> across the fan base. Mother Nature just, just singing us right into it, huh? Sherelle, how are you, dude? Yeah, it's clear outside, but my heart is is crying and sad. So I think that's where we're at. That's where everybody is. I wish it would rain so that people can't see the tears in my eyes. Hey, man, it was good to see you last night, Sherelle. And shout out to everybody who's listening who came by the uh, Inside Carolina Live tailgate uh, yesterday at Bramari Brewery for the football game. We won't talk about the game itself, but, man, that tailgate was live. It was good to see so many people that came and introduced themselves. I know some folks were surprised and, and happy to have met Sherelle in person uh they came by and told me they were happy they met Sherelle, which i guess i'm Sherelle's pr agent now so <laughs> that's good to hear but thanks to everybody who's listening who came by to see that listen if you are uh not subscribed to this show please take a second and give me a just really really good knee drop right on that subscribe button um we would appreciate it make sure you get all these podcasts sent to you whatever device or however you consume the show uh be get get them sent to you automatically so I appreciate all y'all being here, man. This is, um, this is, you know, we're fully in the season now. And I know the season's not going the way we want. And we're getting ready to talk about it as best we can. So today, as we're recording this on Sunday evening, Tar Heels losers 80 to 72 in Blacksburg, Castle Coliseum. Uh, guys, I want to start just briefly and talk about this game in and of itself, kind of from a, a post game reactions for a few minutes and then we'll get into uh, the season as a whole as to where we sit the biggest thing that I want to take away from this game is probably a continuation of what we've seen and that's six assists on 24 field goals uh, Sean you had a chance to watch the ball game is it as simple as missing jump shots and not sharing the ball is what caused another loss today in Castle um, I, that, that's obviously a huge huge issue um, in terms of the assist 
assist number, ball movement, things of that nature. But I mean, it's it's really on on both sides of the ball. I think there's there's zero identity uh, offensively and defensively, and the teams that they've been playing have have been able to dictate um, on both sides of the ball what they want to do. It wasn't until Carolina was down 18 where they really went into scramble mode and they started to dictate uh, with the full court pressure as well as offensively looking to attack uh, much, much earlier than they were. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's just one, one issue. Uh, but, you know, over, over the, the four games, uh, what was it? Two years ago, we always talked about, can the team get to eight, three pointers a game <laughs> when, uh, when they, uh, the year they lost to Wisconsin and, after last year, that that almost being a joke. This year, it's right back to that. Except they're not even getting you know getting close to that. Um, and then defensively, there's a lot of breakdowns with any um, you know any any pick and rolls and just it doesn't look like a cohesive unit um, at all out there. So I think there's a ton of ton of issues right now. The the assist has been the one that has stood out all season, but there's a lot of a uh, lot of issues going on right now. Uh, Sherelle, Sean makes a couple of really good points, specifically about defensive lapses. I saw Justin Mutz getting whatever he wanted in the second half today, and he's a good player. He's an all-conference player. He's you know he's been really reliable for Virginia Tech for the last few years, uh, and obviously the absence of Armando Baycott today allowed him to operate a little more freely than he usually would. Sherelle, what can North Carolina have done today to to be better on defense, or is even even is it just? is just the lapses were too continuous to kind of dig out of. You know, when we did see them play the last six minutes really well when they started kind of junking things up on defense and, and playing motivated, sharing the ball, all that stuff. Is there something they could have done defensively to keep themselves from getting to that point where they're down 18 in the second half? Yeah, I, I don't really have an answer, to be honest. You know, there's probably something. <laughs> I think if Hubert Davis knew what it was, he would implement it immediately. I think what I have seen a little bit lately is very similar to, again, parallels to last year. At the beginning of the year, I think you, you saw uh, folks saw Brady Manick uh, on the defensive end as an opportunity to to exploit that matchup. And the first few games with Pete Nance, I didn't think that was going to be an issue because he, he played really well. But as the level of competition has ramped up, I think you're starting to see them uh, opposing teams attack him defensively because uh, right now he's not offering a ton of resistance at the rim. And uh, with the Baycott out, you know, Nance is really the only the only other big guy, you know, right now on the team who's playing major minutes. And there there was no fear of him whatsoever um, today uh, in Portland or on Wednesday. And I think as he grows into his role, that that's something he's going to um, really have to work on. And the team is going to have to work on is just playing with that physicality, uh, matching it that they're getting each game because it, it does feel like. They they come out, um, and it's so weird. I, I'm, there's a several thoughts here, but it's so weird because they come out, and it seems like I don't want to know if lackadaisical is the right word, if it's confusion. I, I I don't know what it is, but they come out and it's like just not it's not crisp. It's not uninspired. Sharp. Uninspired is where they come. Yeah, to yeah, and you know this has been outside of that run last year, kind of a systemic issue with this group. And I thought they were past it. It seemed like they were past it. Um, the expectation was they were past it. They said they were past it. Hubert Davis said they were past it. And here we are, kind of the same issues popping up over and over again. So what could they have done different 
Defensively, you know, today, I, I, I don't know, because as Sean said, there's no defensive identity. What are, what's the goal on defense on each possession for UNC? Um, and once we get that answer, then you can kind of, you know, make a trail of, okay, so this is how they get there. But I don't know that we know what the goal is defensively on each possession. And, and until that is clear, I think, to the players and, and clear uh, from the staff, I think you'll see these kind of lapses continue. Yeah, it was it was a bit uh, unnerving to see, you know, again, they, they had two assists on their first uh, two baskets of the game. And then I don't know if they had another one for the entire first half, which people that watch a lot of Carolina basketball. And, you know, I saw some Carolina basketball alums this week, this weekend at the you know, the inside Carolina tailgate. Um, guys aren't exactly used to seeing this out of out of a Tar Heel offense and um, specifically going back to the defensive thing. You're right. I think you guys, you know, we, we saw some promise from Pete Nance defensively as an individual earlier this year. And that just, he struggled today against Virginia tech. Um, so today marks the, the fourth loss in a row for the Tar Heels after starting five and Oh, they'll obviously fall out of the rankings the next time they come down. And I don't know that that's a bad thing at this point. Um, it's nice to be considered, you know, to be the preseason number one, but, when you're not even coming close to living up to that, there's no reason to have a number beside your name at all. Uh, guys, I want to ask first things first. I'm sure I'll throw this to you. What do you think is wrong with this team? And you can go in a number of different directions, so I'll shut up for a little bit. You just go wherever you want to go with this because I think the issues are numerous. Yeah, so nine games, uh, you know, Georgia Tech will be the 10th game. That's a third of a season. So it's not like we have a small sample size. It's not like it's just – a couple of games, but it's it's kind of the same issues that were popping up last year. There's there's no identity right now, as we said, offensively or defensively. There's poor shooting. There's even despite the offense that's being run, there's poor spacing. Um, and then it it is just to me inconceivable how the regression from the three point line has occurred for the majority of the team outside of really, I guess, Leaky and Nance. I mean, um, it's it's shocking, honestly, uh, considering how well down the stretch R.J. Davis shot it. Um, we know Caleb is kind of, when he gets hot, he, he can go off, but he can also go one for 10 very easily. So you, you kind of accept that. Um, but it's, it's really surprising, the shooting aspect of it. So I think that's one. Um, the lack of identity is two. And then three, um, when, I'm going to say this, and it's a, it seems like a dirty word. Everybody hears it and they start wondering. But I do think there, there are chemistry issues. And I, I don't mean chemistry as in like, guys are yelling at each other and throwing chairs in the locker room like it's a WWE match. I don't I don't mean that at all. What I mean is they despite how much they played together last year, um the kind of core four who returned, the core four plus Nance don't know how to play with each other yet. Uh that kind of chemistry I guess has to be built in season. Um you know, you, I I made the comparison to last year cuz it's really all we have to go on, but, but even last year at the beginning it looked just like this, very jagged, very disconnected um uh you know at, at times you almost want to say aloof because you're not quite sure how to describe it so there was a lot of that going on and i think it's the same thing this year they they just don't know how to play together yet and that's hard to accept considering how much they play together it's it's a weird dynamic but that's when i look at it that's kind of what i see well and it's definitely hard to build chemistry when you lose your preseason you know conference player of the year preseason first team all-american who didn't play today at Virginia Tech, as we mentioned earlier. Sean, does shooting better really change these these first 
nine games in these last four. I, I think one of the things that we've talked about before they went to Portland for this West Coast swing was, you know, we would know a lot more about them. And I think we thought, you know, worst case scenario, they dropped two. Well, they've dropped four of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, each until today, until the last six minutes of the Virginia Tech game, you could argue that each loss looked worse than the one prior to that, which is which is frustrating, independent of opponent. Would would better shooting from from the guards would, would that change the outcome of what we've seen so far? It it, w- it wouldn't hurt. I mean, you have you have two very high usage guards shooting twenty six percent from three. Uh, you know, going into the Portland or go, sorry, going into the Indiana game, uh, did a post right before talk really just talking about the distance that they were shooting from and that you know RJ was. RJ was doing very well outside of his deep threes. Um, I mean, even today, you, you saw the ones he was taking a little beside, behind the three-point line that they're just coming up short. And uh, Caleb, sa- same thing. He wouldn't, you know, I think he was only around 32% from a, more of a normal distance. But over really two and a half seasons, you have a huge sample size. And over over that time, Caleb's 32% and RJ's 34%. So it's almost like last year was the anomaly uh, for them, both <laughs> both shooting well. I think it's also harder for them to get good shots. Um, you know, I think as we're seeing, they spent a lot of time out on the perimeter, two guy, you know, running the horn sets, doing really having two, three max people involved in the play, and then all of a sudden, they're they're taking they're taking tough shots. They're they're rarely getting the open catch and shoot jump shots um so i think that's that is certainly part of it but this almost goes back to the over under stuff that we did preseason, and um i'm sure we'd both like to take a lot of any overs that we took back but you know part of it was brady manic who was was a four man that could catch and shoot and he was good for you know two to four threes a game um and that just makes the offense click a lot better nance has been you know coming in coming in from last year was a good shooter. He's been able to knock some down, but as we talked about, his release is just so slow that he needs to be wide open. And now you're really playing with, um, you know, three Lee, he's been better, but teams are still playing off him. So you have all this pressure falling on, on two guys, um, which is why even though nickel didn't hit any, uh, and he was pretty far off on some of the ones he did take, like he, he at least, uh, you know, offers that, opportunity but uh shooting would definitely definitely help but once again it comes to trying to create good shots and uh, you know you go back to the alabama game anytime defensively they would run the pick and roll and you could just you knew that uh, at some point in the shot clock carolina is going to be sprinting to run out at an open shooter and it happened time and time again and you never really see that when carolina's on offense because the ball's only moving a few times so rarely are teams out of sorts and and running to try to cover um or try to cover somebody that's wide open so i'd say that's just one of it, it would help but you know they, they need to do a lot more to get to get those shooters better better looks and joy adding on like where's the cutting so we're, we're talking about shooting and we're talking about whether or not you know some of these tough step backs and and fadeaways and, you know, shooting over a guy coming off of a screen, if those shots go in, where, where are the guys cutting it? It feels like there's just 
three people watching a lot of watching one, there's one person setting the pick and then there's uh one two other people ready to shoot and then the other guy two guys are just kind of hanging out you know and i'm not i'm not saying they're doing that purposefully i'm not saying that you know they're not good basketball players but the more you move the more you know especially in a half court office the more you move the more chance that you're going to get open or you can help someone else get open but right now it's just it's kind of ball watching it's kind of okay rj and caleb uh we're going to pass the ball around to the entire team for about 25 seconds and then when we realize there's eight seconds left on the shot clock we're going to give the ball to caleb and then to to be fair you know, RJ and Caleb take some tough shots because they have to, because they get the ball with five seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are they supposed to do? Uh, so I think it's it's not just those two. They they do bear, you know, uh, a lot of the blame, but it's not just them. It, 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 this is a systemic thing. The whole team is contributing to the, these offensive deficiencies. And I think there, there's usually a few possessions. For instance, the Virginia Tech game, um, the ball moved from from left to right, got all the way to Trimble in the right corner and he hit Nance cutting for, for a layup. And you say, wow, that was, that was nice. But yeah. you're really only saying that two or three times a game max. And then, you know, for Pete Nance, we talked about what a great passer he was. And a lot of his passing last year came out of, out of the post. So I know there's been a lot of complaints that once he gets it, uh, you know, 15 feet from the basket and he starts backing the defender down, it obviously stops the ball movement, but nobody, nobody's, cutting when when he you know i don't think he's going into every <laughs> every back down looking to to shoot the ball because he can hit somebody if, if they're cutting but once again there's no ball movement so he's being forced into you know taking a contested turn over your left shoulder and whether it's a little hook shot or a, a fadeaway you know that's not helping either uh so i think that just goes to what Cheryl was talking about about the lack of movement um from the team in general I think one of the things fans are are the most kind of befuddled with are one of the things Sherelle mentioned a second ago, and Sean, you've alluded to a little bit. It's just the the beating the ball into the the wood on the perimeter over and over again for twenty seconds, twenty five seconds, and then you you know you, you try whatever single action you have, and a guy ends up taking a contested shot because they never for whatever reason it never gets below the free throw line a couple of times, and that's not just happening once or twice a half. It happened multiple times the first half against Virginia Tech. Uh, it happened a lot against Indiana. I think a lot of that was due to Indiana's a def- Indiana's defense pushing them out. Uh, but it's just it's it's frustrating to see for for fans and, and inside Carolina subscribers just to see this offense not look like a North Carolina offense for all of the reasons you guys just mentioned. Sherell, I, I want to ask you here. This is and I'm kind of tripping on myself here, but. I don't want to ask too big of a question, but by the same token, how long-term of a problem is this? I mean, you mentioned we're a third of the way through the season. It, it, we, we would like to think that these guys can flip the switch, and I want to give you credit because you said early in the year it's going to be hard for these guys to maintain the same intensity against, you know, Stony Brook Technical Institute of New Jersey uh, as they had against – Kansas in the final four or Duke in the final four or Baylor in the sweet 16. Um, you kind of alluded to that. It seems like it's more than that though. You mentioned chemistry. How long-term of an issue is this? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the million dollar question, man. I think it is until it isn't um, to give uh, Jones angel. I was listening to him talk uh, on, on his podcast. And one of the things he said was 
what what makes the last week so rough is that they played they had stretches against Alabama where they played really well and they mm -hmm. played up to the level of their competition. The issue was when you lose that game, when you lose Iowa State, you can't afford to lose the Alabama game. Yeah. And that 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 I, I agree a hundred percent. Now the effort against Alabama would have beaten Iowa State, you know, by 10, 15 points. So you can't aff afford to have those lulls because it catches up to you. We all knew that Indiana was going to be the toughest game on their schedule, not in the yeah. ACC. So we, we, I, I, most people, I think, realistic fans were like, you know what, that's going to be tough for them to do in Assembly Hall, coming off of, uh, you know, that stretch where they they left Chapel Hill on the twenty first and didn't come back until I think the second or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so they were gone for a long time. So uh, I said all that to say that they've had stretches where they've played well. They've had stretches where they, you, you see the sparks, you see how it can look. It's just a matter of putting it together. The, the issues I think aren't going anywhere. Uh, we don't know how healthy Armando Baycott is. Mm -hmm. DeMarco Dunn had just started to really play well and, and really earn his minutes in rotation. And now he's gone for at least a few weeks with a broken hand. Um, so the issues are there. I don't think they're going anywhere. It's, it's up to the coaching staff and the players to figure out, Okay, how do we work around these um, and how do we put our best foot forward? How do we put ourselves in the best uh, position to succeed? And I don't think this team knows exactly. And it, and it goes back to identity. I don't think this team knows exactly what the best position for success is for it. And until they figure that out, yeah, you're going to have these same issues. The The great thing about Rural Williams' teams is that they always had an identity. You always knew exactly mm -hmm. what they were going to do. It was just a matter of whether or not they did it well. The great thing about the run last year um, over, I guess, the final 20 games is that they had an identity. It, it was the Iron Five. It was Manic hitting shots. It was Caleb Love hitting tough shots. It was Armando doing the dirty work. It was Leaky, you know, uh, locking down the, the best wing on the other team, sometimes the best four on the other team. And it was R.J. Davis handling the ball and kind of running the show. So there were firm, locked-in identities. Everyone knew their role. And I think this year they're just searching for that. And, and until – that gets sorted out a little bit. Yeah, it's going to continue to be up and down. I mean, would you be surprised if next week against Georgia Tech, you know, they maybe win the game, but it's, you know, a, a five-point game or a six-point game? That wouldn't be surprising at all based upon what we've seen because all we can judge this team on is the nine games it's played. And the nine games it's played, frankly, does not look like an NCAA tournament team, to be honest. And that's another thing mm. that we can get to in a little bit. But um you know, I, I thought the bubble talk was over. I didn't think I had to worry about Q1 wins this year and, and following <laughs> that stuff. But you look at the ACC and you look Where at the opportunities for Q1 wins. And, you know, uh, Ohio State and Michigan are, are going to be neutral courts. Michigan, technically a neutral court. Um, so those are turning into very quickly must wins for UNC um, to help its NCAA tournament, you know, resume, which is an insane thing to say considering where – we all thought the team was five weeks ago. Yeah, I had somebody hit me um, on on the Twitter machine after the loss against Alabama, which, again, that was just the second loss, and they looked good at the time in instances and played tough against Alabama. Somebody told me I didn't know how the tournament works. No, I'm aware. I'm, I'm quite aware. I think we're all aware that, like you just said, where are the Q1s going to come from if this team doesn't go on a sustained run of wins? Sean... I had a really good question lined up for you, and then Sherelle just <laughs> just swept me off my feet with with where I was going to go there. Um, I think it's it's tough to to break this team's struggles down without looking at 
kind of failure of execution. Uh, how much of that is is focus? How much of that is mental? Or how much of it is just the guys need reps with each other? Sherell talked about earlier that, you know, the guys are still trying to figure each other out. We talked about spacing a little bit. But in your view, how much of this is is just execution and guys not having enough reps doing what it is that the coaching staff wants them to do? I think part part of it is is failure of, of execution, but I think part of it is well, what one one part I, you know from a ta- talent perspective. Obviously, we saw what they did last year with Brady Manick, um, but if you if you didn't know last year existed and you watched these games. Carolina, outside of Armando, uh, I'd, I'd probably take Alabama, Indiana, Virginia Tech. You know, from a talent and athleticism standpoint, over over UNC. Um, so I, I don't. Part of it is execution, but part of it, you know, I think is is how they're they're playing. As we said, everybody has regressed, um, both offensively and defensively. We, we've been talking mostly offensively, but defensively. Um, you know, one of the crazy things is with, with Leahy Black, you have a guy that is going going to pretty much take out one player <laughs> on the opposing side. I know today Padula used the pick and roll and, and got some space with him, but um, Alabama, I mean, Alabama, a lottery pick was, was taken out. Um, Indiana, they had to switch it up, but there's been one common theme over the four games, and that's been the shooting guard get hitting. Uh, a shot early on and then just for the most part going unconscious and that in Indiana that led to um, you know them having to change up uh, the, the, the system and, and even today and UNC hasn't been able to get off to good good starts um, and when they do they give those up pretty quickly due to defensive lapses so once again I think part of its execution part of it is is just how they're playing together but also third is just from a talent perspective from a from a name name basis, everybody knows who these guys are. Um, you know, they tested the waters, they did all this, but they're not playing at that level, and they're not playing close to the level that they did last year. Um, so I think it's it's a mixture of execution, current skill level, um, as well as just being mentally mentally stronger. Yeah, uh, all these things you guys are saying, it's there's not much to add on top of it. I, I think it's still it's it's a struggle for folks to process. Um, I mean, Sh- Shrell and I were saying in a, in a Slack earlier today, like, I, I understand how these things are happening. I understand what it looks like on the court, but I don't think anybody understands why they're happening. Go ahead, Sean. Well, I was just going to say, you know, last year they they got, um, you know, they had their losses to Tennessee and, and Purdue, and they, they came back home and had, you know, kind of a must-win game against Michigan, which – they didn't look great in it, but it was at home and, and they just were able to, to, you know, do what they needed to do. And here they didn't have that reset mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're finally, I think, trying to look at it half glass, half full as they finally have that, that reset. Um, you know, we don't know how healthy Armando has been the full, the full year. Obviously he's had some strong statistical games, but it never looks like he's had that explosiveness off of, off of both both feet so maybe this gives him a little bit of a chance to to rest and recover uh you have a team that they should beat in the acc before going into those must win uh games um so i think just getting a reset last year it came earlier 
uh, so they didn't have to lose four in a row. But th that's probably the one silver lining to doing that. And and even today, sorry, I'm, this is a little long winded, but when you're watching the Virginia Tech game, you have this this group of guys that has all this experience, but then all the freshmen, like they've barely played together or mixed with RJ and Caleb. And it was a very, just felt like a very inexperienced team. And I think they're going to have their, the bench will be need to play. will need to play more and they're going to have to step it up. You can't have styles taking jump shots. So each one kind of needs to know their role uh, for this team to get to a, even a tournament level team. Um, so that was just one other thing of they're pretty experienced, but uh, also very inexperienced at the same time. Yeah, I was going to just jump in and say, if I don't know if there's going to be another PK-80 or when he turns 85, PK-85 or whatever, but they've, they've got to figure out a way to just kind of schedule that a little differently. I guess it'll be the ACC-SEC challenge then, but they've, they've got to work together because that that schedule was, was pretty ridiculous of Friday, Saturday, or excuse me, Thursday, Friday, Sunday games fly from Portland to Bloomington on uh, Monday, spend two days in Bloomington, play a late, late, you know, nine thirty eight tip on Wednesday, get home in the middle of exams, uh, you know, get home early Thursday morning, exam time. And you have to be in Blacksburg in two days. Like that's, that's a bit much. And, and maybe that's partly ESPN, partly the ACC, partly Carolina, but the three entities need to work together because um, that that's too much uh, over the course of you know nine days for a team. Well, on the flip side of that is Indiana had like a few days off and were at home before the game in Bloomington. Virginia Tech hadn't played in a week prior to today's match at home at their house. And also, can we talk about how absurd it is that the league is making these kids play uh, the first conference game in finals? Like, during yeah. finals? Do you remember when... <laughs> that's about to sound real old. But do you remember when we were in school... There was like there was a game. There's nothing. There's a Big Ten game on like mm -hmm. December first or second, and then they'd be off until like the sixteenth or something. It'd be like ten days or yeah. fourteen straight days it, right. of nothing. Right, and it that's a that's a lot break. of times when you know either guys would get healthy or all of a sudden you start you start seeing the rotation really take shape. And, and Roy, the, Roy would he loved that because he would say mm -hmm. you know once the exams ended he was like this is the time I can get them 100% mm -hmm. focused on uh, on basketball we'll have good practices and UNC's teams almost always got better yep. during the that week and a half two weeks or whatever it was so it it is a is a funky kind of thing now but when you have 20 games in in conference i guess you have to start in early december and this is where you made the point about ESPN a second ago this is where the <laughs> the money is starting to talk a little bit and the money's starting to kind of drive things because i understand they can't tell the Jordan brand and Nike, they can't tell the note they don't want to play in this tournament. The tournament itself is good experience, but like you said, Sherelle, the, the way that it laid out in practice, pretty brutal. And, and we knew it was going to be bad to, to repeat what you said earlier. We knew it was going to be bad. We didn't realize how bad it was going to be. And we thought the Tar Heels would play better, but um, guys, I, I want to see what positives have you seen over this four game losing stretch? And I'm not trying to, to Jedi mind trick anybody. I'm not trying to put, sugar where there's no sugar necessary. I, I'm genuinely curious because I can think of a couple of things, but I want to hear you guys' opinion. That's what everybody's listening to the show for. They heard what y'all think. Uh, Sean, give me some positives that you've seen over this last stretch of four games that even though there are losses on the scoreboard could portend well for later in the season. I was going to, I was hoping you were going to go to Shrell first on, on this one, but um, I think <laughs> positives, the, the, 
the bench is is growing. Uh, you know, Puff played very well in in Portland and Indiana, and he he had offensive rating of zero against Virginia Tech in in eight minutes, and was was non-existent in those in those eight minutes. Um, I think today you saw, you know, what we've been with, with Trimble. He offers just something that nobody else on the team can from his ability to, you know, against Indiana, the hard part was they're playing so physical and so out on the perimeter and just saying, Hey, beat me one-on-one and Carolina could just not, they, they just couldn't do it. And Trimble is really the only guy from athletic standpoint that, that can do it. Um, he's just been playing limited minutes. So I, hopefully with what happened against Virginia tech, they can get him in earlier and, and often to put ball pressure um, and going back to the identity, they're going to have to start trapping or, or mixing up the defense because they have to they have to you know, be the one that is dictating the terms, not the whole game, but at least <laughs> more than more than what they're doing. Um, and even you know, Nickel offered some some bright spots. Um, well, Sean, we saw, let me ask again. you this: I mean, you're you're going to a great point. How many times have we seen not just North Carolina but teams in general be able to generate offense? off of that defensive pressure, even if they're not turning it into turnovers to direct points, it's changing the aggression. It's changing the mindset that they play on both ends of the floor. Yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech missed some some open open threes during that time frame, but it also sped them up and got them out of sorts where all of a sudden, you know, Mutz is passing to Padula going going out of bounds or UNC's getting in transition, which has been absolutely non non existent. Uh so once again it gives them a little bit gets them going a little little faster because uh, right now they've been playing at a very you know you look at what you you're used to seeing UNC playing at a fast speed offense rebounding uh, their, their tempo is extremely slow but this gets them going and once again they're not doing anything defensively to disrupt the team and they're not doing anything offensively uh, to put pressure on the other team and that that seemed to get it going once again. I know that's not sustainable for forty minutes, but you gotta you gotta do do something. Um, and then last positive thing, um, I mean, you have to go back to the Portland game with with Caleb Love and how efficient he played in that game before really this this four game four game stretch. But when you're talking about roles, I think that's the the role you can't be taking twenty five plus shots a game um and they need him to be you know to be they need him playing well to 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 win games so i think that those are a few a few of the positives hard hard to find a lot of positives in the last four though i like what you said there too talking about doing some of the running and jumping and some of the trap in the first pass type stuff if carolina can't defend the pick and roll well don't give the other team as many chances to set up a pick and roll in the half court Cheryl, same thing. Give me some positives that you've seen. Again, we realize it's four losses. Nobody likes the four losses. Nobody inside uh, the Smith Center likes four losses. Nobody watching the team likes four losses. What have you seen positive during this four-game losing stretch? Well, we we talked about his, his struggles a little bit on defense, but I think offensively I've been pleased with what Pete Nance has been able to do. And if you start looking at his profile, obviously at UNC, considering the personnel um, that he came into, he was going to be a much lower usage player than he was at Northwestern. But his numbers, his offensive rating is essentially the same. 
um, his shooting numbers are all up. So his effective field goal percentage is up. His true shooting percentage is up. His free throw percentage is up. His two-point percentage is up. His three-point percentage is down from what it finished at Northwestern last year. But I think he's been, you know, pretty good um, as far as, you know, like a second or a third score when need be. Um, he's pretty crafty around the basket. Um, he's got pretty long arms, longer than I thought. And he's he's got some moves down in the post that I I didn't see. I I, I really thought, you know, even though he, even though he played with his back to the basket some, um, I saw him as more of uh like a face up five almost. Um, but he's played with his back to the basket a lot, and he's got he like I said, he's very crafty from there. So I I think that's been a a pleasant surprise. There's been stretches where he's carried you know the team offensively, you know, multiple games. And right now, I think he's I think he's the top three point shooter on the team. He's made twelve. Um, he's, shoot, he's shooting thirty five percent. He's twelve of thirty four. I think that's number one on the team without double checking. Um, so that's a positive. Um, well, and also his that that little move that he does where he does a little drop step over his shoulder, uh, bank shot. Like he's yeah. that looks that's something his dad used to use regularly yeah. in the league. But he's got that down. He looks confident doing it. Yeah. I think you're yeah. on something there. Yeah, very good with angles. Um, he's got a little hook that he can put over his left shoulder. Um, that goes in most of the time. He he's good in the mid range, and right now he's UNC's best three point shooter. So offensively, I think that's worked out well. Um, <clears throat> despite the last couple of games, I think Leaky has made strides offensively. He's not he he's headed he's hesitated a couple of times the last couple of games, but the majority of the season, if he's open, you know, from that corner or or from the wing, he's going to take the three. And I think it's to the point now where nobody gasps or nobody is you know, cursing at the TV if, if he <laughs> if he takes a shot because he's he's proven that he can make it and he's proven he can make it, you know, um in big time moments. I I go back to the Alabama game, it's completely forgotten, but UNC was down two and I think it was Caleb who drove and dished it out to Leaky at the top of the key. Not a second hesitation, just knocked it down to three. Yeah. Yep. And, and put UNC up one. Um so he he's he's wired for that. And I think you know, I, I think it's okay for him now to to go ahead and shoot that. I think Hubert Davis is, is happy with it. I think Leakey um, is, is comfortable with it now too. So those, those are two things, two positives offensively that I think you can you can at least point to. And those are things that if the team can figure out some of these other issues, having Leakey Black as a as an offensive threat, not that he's going to drop twenty on you a night, but just just that teams can't sag off of him and put him on self check like they did so many times earlier in his career, I think that's going to, to bode well for the squad. What's up, Sean? Well, I mean, in, in terms of, of Leakey, um, it's kind of crazy to say, but he might have the, the highest NBA potential out of anybody on this team, um, which just, he, he's going to, he can lock, as we said, he can absolutely shut down, um, what, you know, the top top player. He had been playing off better offensively, but then you look at Indiana, didn't score um, today, I think had two points on that dunk. And you would love to see him kind of attack from that wing spot a little bit more like he mm-hmm. did on the dunk today, like he did to start uh, the second half against Indiana. I still don't know what happened when he went up in the air um, to start the half on that one. Uh, and even in Portland, you know, I think it was the Alabama game where he caught the ball at the top of the key. The defense was a little out of position. and He just attacked in one dribble mm-hmm. and he's at the basket. And th- this goes back to in the preseason, us kind of saying he, he has to be the most improved player because that'll take a lot of heat off of the other mm-hmm. guys. And the last few games, it hasn't been there. And I think it goes back to trying to identify roles. And if he's getting 
four to five shots. Um, ideally, one long pull up to Max. But if he's attacking the basket and trying to be more aggressive on the boards, I think that can help the team out a lot because uh, really each each position needs to improve, and that's one way for Leaky to improve because he is um, once again the the lockdown defender, which is rare and a nice to nice to have. And maybe I'm oversimplifying things here, which is I'm I'm want to do, but it's possible that just having Leaky as an offensive threat has made things tougher for these guys to get used to. You know, used to be it was they knew the offense was going to kind of have to come from one of the other four guys, and now you've got a guy in Leaky that's legitimately able to do some things. Again, I'm I'm throwing I'm throwing things up against the wall here, which I think is <laughs> is what a lot of coaching staff and a lot of other prognosticators are trying to do right now. One of the things I think is is probably guaranteed right now during the season is Johnny T-shirt. Uh, you don't have to worry about effort from Johnny T-shirt. You don't have to worry about consistency from Johnny T-shirt. You don't have to worry about Johnny T-shirt, you know, trying to figure out chemistry amongst their staff because they've got it. Johnny T-shirt's already there. They're in, in NCAA tournament form as we sit here on December the 4th. Johnny T-shirt, big supporters of Inside Carolina. We are big fans of theirs. We hope that you will also be fans of theirs. Look, we're within 21 days of Christmas. You got to take care of your people. You need to let Santa Claus know what to put on your list. And Johnny T-Shirt can help you with that. They've got a lot of stuff there that you can suggest as Christmas items. If you want to go ahead and grab something for yourself, feel free. You can use the premium code that's on the Inside Carolina uh, sub subscriber premium message boards and get your extra 10% off top of their already amazing prices. Name brands, they got it. Different types of clothes, they got it different brands they got it you want it they have it go see them visit them on east franklin street in chapel hill or johnny t-shirt.com we're so thankful for what they do for inside carolina we hope that you will give them some of your business take a quick break let the national guys run some ads right in this segment we'll be right back to wrap things up and try to figure out where do the tar heels go from here stick around on the coast to coast podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Thank you all for sticking around. I'm Joey Powell. Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran, joining me here on Inside Carolina's Coast to Coast Podcast. Thanks for being a part of the show. We've talked about a lot of the problems. We've tried to figure out what the hell is going on right now with the UNC basketball team. Now I'm going to get Sean and Sherelle to lay out the roadmap for us on how to solve all these problems. <laughs> Sherelle, where does this team go from here? It's not as easy <laughs> as just saying they play Georgia Tech next. I need you to give me more than that, brother. On to Georgia Tech. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I, I think you have to look. To, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to look to the past for the answer. 
and UNC was at its best last season, has been as, at its best the last couple of years when Armando Baycott is the centerpiece, the focal point of the team. The team needs to work from Armando Baycott out as opposed to the two guards in. And I think so far this season, there have been, I mean, there have been stretches where they, they being the rest of the team, have just completely forgotten about the 6'10 All-American. Obviously, uh, as Sean said, he hasn't quite looked right the entire season. You, you think there might be, you know, another injury that's been nagging in addition to the one, you know, the ones that we know about. Um, but I, I think that's the key is he has to get a paint touch every possession. I mean, unless unless they're 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 hedging with a with a, with a guy over the top and you know <laughs> uh, the point guard you know below the 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 three point line. Unless there's like four guys bracketing him, you have to get him the ball because, uh, you know, good things happen. That's how you get teams in foul trouble. Um, you have Nance on the other side who, uh, while not a great offensive rebounder, if two guys go to Baycott and, and Baycott puts up a shot, then Nance should be able to help clean that up. You know, we know Leakey is a very good rebounder. So that's there. Um, and then I, I think just patience and just the resolve to continue to do what is needed as opposed to what might feel right at, at a certain time. So I guess that's more like discipline, the discipline to not take the shot that you really want to in order to get a great shot. I know that's a cliche and we hear it all the time, but it's true. Um, why take, you know, why settle for something good when something great might be a pass away or, you know, pass or two away. Uh, so I, I think offensively, that's how they move forward. Defensively, man, I, <laughs> I don't know. I I just thought this team, this unit, would be much better defensively because of the length that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not a smart enough basketball mind to tell you what needs to change defensively. Um, it more so I think even in the offense, the 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 lack of uh, defensive prowess has been probably the most disappointing thing through nine games mm-hmm. because really expected a lot from them defensively and it just hasn't shown up. Sean, I, I think Sherelle just laid out some really obvious ones. Is it as simple as communication? Uh, can can communication fix things, or is there something else you'd like to see them do uh, to try to resolve some of these things sooner rather than later? I think communication is, is part of it, but to piggyback on Sherelle and Armando Baycott, uh, once again, depending on, on how the shoulder injury is, whether it's Georgia Tech um, or that Ohio State game, they have to look to get him the ball in a scoring position, not a, not at the top of the key, but scoring position mm-hmm. early. And for him, you can probably count the number of times where he's just been able to catch the ball and and do you know a, a four foot four foot hook shot. Um, a lot of his points have been, you know, off of offensive rebounds or, or other. And uh, teams are sending doubles at him. So this is, goes back. Um, you know, I, I remember after his freshman year one of the biggest improvement points he made was being very decisive uh, with his, mm-hmm. once he got the ball in his hands. And I think we need to see that coming back where he is a little more selfish. And even if he misses one or two, you know, the guard should not be out shooting him from three versus all his total, total shots. Uh, but at the same time, we know that double teams will be coming and they're going to be coming from all over. So he also has to be quicker with his decision-making and where that's going to go, because that can, once again, allow UNC to put pressure versus so so many times they double, um, the ball goes back out, but nothing nothing really changed versus you see UNC doubling the last two games and they're doubling from the same side and you just know 
after two passes back and forth, the guy's going to be wide, wide open. Um, uh, so that, let me, can I, can I jump in on that? So I, I got to I'm not, I'm not looking at me looing or anything like that, but I got a text from someone who knows basketball, someone whose credentials are, I would say pretty much unmatched in, in that particular <clears throat> person's basketball area. And they were like, helping off of, of the strong side shooter is one of the most <laughs> antiquated, you know, terrible things you can do in basketball yeah and i said i said why do you say that and they went into the explanation they were like it's just that's just not that's not how it's done anymore and they were they were shocked and i said well you know that's probably not what they were supposed to do or you know whatever that that was just a one-off and then it happened again yeah. and the person was like see and i was like yeah okay well there maybe there's an issue there um with what whether it's being taught or whether it's muscle memory, um, that's just something that, that can't happen. I just I wanted to jump in on that because that was that was like a a, fra a flashing red light <laughs> when I got that text. So, yeah, it's there are some things that do make you scratch your head, and to use another Roy Williams euphemism, everything looks better when the ball goes in the basket. So who knows? Maybe if these guys start shooting a couple of ticks ahead or a couple of points better, you know, the some of these outcomes are different, but. They are who their record says they are right now. And right now, they're five and four on a four-game losing streak coming back home to play Georgia Tech on December the 10th and will likely be unranked after starting the season's preseason number one. Boys, nowhere to go but up, right? <laughs> um, I think Tar Heel fans are probably all hoping and praying that I'm right by saying that, that there is, is, is not a, a rock bottom below this. But if nothing else, there will be things that we can watch all of the stuff that you guys just laid out that we can watch for over the next few weeks and maybe see some improvement. Uh, boys, I'm going to give you two pennies. Anybody? Anybody two pennies? Cheryl? I've got like four. So I'm going to go around the all fire. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll take them all at once. <laughs> all right. So first, uh, so just a quick recruiting note. Um, with them having a week off, um, we, we still are figuring out exactly how Hebert Davis does things, but this is kind of one of those prime weeks for him to be out on the road um, looking at his his uh, commits, uh, Zayden High or signing Zayden High and Simeon Wilcher, as well as his 2024 commit, Drake Powell, and then the rest of the 2024 class, and maybe even one of, uh, you know, someone like Isaiah Harwell in the 2025 class. Uh, two, um, <laughs> I, I guess it, well, I, I won't say that. So the other thing I wanted to say was that. Uh, with, with Carolina basketball, man, you know, it is it is a marathon. I'm not trying to be positive guy, um, but a lot can change. And we've seen that very quickly. Um, a lot can change over the course of, you know, three weeks. You know, three weeks ago, UNC had the number one team. Uh, the football team was nine and one and everything looked great. And that is not the case today. So as quickly as it went south, I think, you know, things can start to turn around. And it feels like this week is kind of one of those is for the fan base. It's a, a good time. They can watch women's soccer, maybe win a national championship tomorrow and then just take a break and just take a step back and, and reassess. I think recalibration and, and reassessment is, is good this time of year. So I would urge everyone to do that over the next week and come back next you know Saturday and see what they do. Go see your family. Your family has missed you. Go check back in with your family. They want to hear from you. And third penny, last one. Uh, 2024 target Jaron Stevenson actually took uh, his first official visit. He was at Georgetown uh, this past weekend. So something to monitor there. He has four left. Uh, we think he'll take one to North Carolina, but when we find out, we'll let you know. Thank you, sir. Much obliged. Sean, your pennies, please. Well, I, was, I was kind of chuckling because the, the Georgetown game um, was 
played against somebody we're all very familiar with who had one of his <laughs> one of his better better games a reunion um, of sorts yeah um i mean i think you know right right now they're not a tournament team i think i think that that's pretty clear in terms of how they're they're playing um with, with the with the regression that they've been we've been seeing from the majority of the the players and they're not going to go 15 and 5 in the ACC in, in my opinion um this year so luckily uh with the Ohio State and Michigan games coming up as well as Georgia Tech there are some opportunities to go into the new year uh playing playing better and everybody being a little more positive i think one of those from Iowa State um really Iowa State and in well, all four teams, I think, were very strong defensively. Virginia Tech's defensive rating does not reflect that, but their style of play. Um, I think all four teams, well, let me, Iowa State, Indiana, and Virginia Tech, all those teams play physical, which I think is why we've seen UNC get to the free throw line early. They've been very aggressive, um, you know, with the guards and with everybody, you know, well past the the three point line, as well as shutting off. And I think that has bothered this UNC team. And I think that that type of defense for the most part has bothered UNC over the past few years. Alabama was a little different where they're just super athletic and you're not getting clean, clean looks in the paint. But I think UNC has always struggled with that, you know, slower pace, more physical style of play, which once again, in the tournament last year, it was a little more free flowing athletic teams that they're playing um, still strong defensively, but it's a different type of ball game. And I think, Going forward, Ohio State is like that, but hopefully with a little bit of rest, you have Georgia Tech, Ohio State, Michigan's not that strong defensively, and then you get into the ACC. Um, so hopefully that getting out of that style of play without a reset can help them figure a few things out and, and start to get the ball rolling so that they do become a tournament team or a bubble team that we're repeating the same thing we did from last year. But um you know, definitely the style of play that they went against the past few weeks was not not um, ones that they have done well against. But at the same time, they need to be the ones that are dictating um, what the opponent should be doing versus uh, being dictated to. I appreciate that, guys. Um, and, and you know what? I got something I'm going to throw in here. I don't know if this is going to become a recurring theme for me. But and this is not Joey complaining about the officials. But officiating needs to figure out what they're doing about the charge circle under the basket. Because I have seen multiple games this year, not just North Carolina games, where players have been squarely, squarely on, or sometimes have a whole foot inside of the charge circle. And the play gets called as, as, as a charge instead of a, instead of a blocking foul. And I just, I don't understand if, if you're not going to, if you're not going to call that and legislate it properly, what are we even doing? So Something to keep your eye on because I feel like it's happening a lot. Either either officials don't know what they're doing about it as a whole, or the rules just bad and needs to be taken back out of the sport. So uh, that'll be my little soapbox. But guys, I always appreciate what y'all bring to the show. It's it's so enlightening for me. It's fun for me. It's a great way to to wrap up an evening. And I hope that our listeners and subscribers appreciate you as well. Uh, you guys are always on it. So I'm thankful for you. I uh, appreciate Johnny T-shirt for sponsoring. Appreciate John Siegley for producing, but for Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran, I am just Joey Powell. This has been the Coast to Coast Podcast on InsideCarolina.com. We will talk to you very soon. 
from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!